The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Welcome to Brown Table Talk. I am DC Marshall, founder and CEO of Diverse and Engage, a DEI thought leader, a LinkedIn top voice, and I'm here with my co-host, Mita. Hey there, Mita. Hi, Dee. I'm Mita Malik. I'm a LinkedIn top voice, a business leader, a mom, and now an author. My book, Reimagine Inclusion, Debunking 13 Myths to Transform Your Workplace, is available on Amazon to pre-order right now. And so Mita and I started Brown Table Talk as a place to spill the tea on the hard truths women of color face in their workplaces from my perspective as a Black woman and for Mita, her view as a South Asian woman. At our table, we unpack it all. We don't leave any juicy details out. And then at the end of this, we will share tips, not on how to survive, but how to thrive in organizations, wherever you are. All right, so let's jump into it. Mita, what are we talking about today? D, let's talk about how to spot a toxic workplace. How to spot a toxic workplace, super relevant, lots of change in the market. I know a lot of friends, a lot of individuals in our LinkedIn community, we are rooting for you. You are looking for your next chapter, but this is what we wanted to talk about. We're going to spill the tea, share some stories and leave some tips at the end. D, 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 D. Have you ever worked in a toxic workplace? Have you ever interviewed? I've never worked in a toxic workplace. I have consulted, advised, we clients and the environment is toxic. And we do have a rating of these sorts of environments. Well, let me share my story. I've interviewed many, many times over the years, as, as DC Marshall says. And Dee's advice to anyone is you should be interviewing once a year for practice. You should always be in the market looking and just getting a sense of what's happening externally. And so there was years ago when beauty company I was interviewing for, and I did a number of phone calls. And then I'll never forget the image of the company. First of all, it was a big brand, right? And I loved the brand. And then I'm doing all the interview calls and I'm getting excited. But I go in D to the offices. And you know, I'm somebody, as you know, who loves to study people and human behavior. I love to observe. And I'm like, wow, getting a really sad vibe here. People just look sad. I'm waiting in the waiting room. I'm like walking around. There's just that I don't hear any laughing. I don't see the people who are gathered like excited or smiling. Not that we are always that way at work. We have our up days and down days. But I was watching for that. Let me tell you, after that experience, I pulled myself out for the running. Because one of the things I always look for for myself is the energy I get when I enter a space and how I feel and other people's energy. And I no longer ignore that. I no longer ignore that, which I used to in my past life. But that is also one of the things, like if you're in the office or you're observing people and they all seem unhappy, I would say, 
friends, don't walk, run, run as fast as you can (laughs) run. Yeah. So it's interesting that you, in your mind, the energy is the measure and the engagement. If people are laughing or people's, I guess, emotional state is the measure because I too am a big high feeling. I'm high feeling. I can feel energy, but I also use rating scales all the time. I use them with my team and then I use them with our clients. So always in team meetings, we get on the Zooms, always start. It doesn't matter what's happening before. If I'm rushing in, I might even be a few minutes late. I shouldn't be, but I am. I always say, all right, did I? Did you all start already? I, okay, round table on a scale of one to 10, 10 amazing, one not so much. How are you feeling today? I want to know how my people are feeling. I don't want to just jump into the business and I don't want to be that kind of leader that doesn't care about the people. I want to know where people are, right? I'm getting to toxic. So my team does it. They do it without me. They do it on their meetings. And guess what? Where the overflow is, we do it with our clients. Well, let me tell you this. I'll never forget us getting in a meeting. There's probably four or five of the team, my team on the meeting with the client and it's about seven of their people. And we go around the room on a scale of one to 10, 10 amazing, one not so much. How are you doing? Well, baby, when everybody on that team was below a five, they were threes and fours. That was the indication When I tell you we should have run, when you said you should run, we should have ran because when I tell you it was bad, now here's the deal. It's okay to have a day where you're two or three. Now I will tell you from my team, they're rarely below a five and they are typically somewhere between a seven, eight, nine, ten. That means I have healthy people, right? And every now and again, there's there somebody is a five or six. You can be a five or six today. You might be a five or six tomorrow, but by day three as a leader, you were to check in on your people offline. I'm calling. Mita, you're a five. You've been a five for five days. Oh no, we have to have a conversation because I'm concerned about you. And so that client, when their people, the leader, The leader was like a three or four. So my team, after the call, they're looking at me. They're like, D, we've never been in a room with threes and fours. And they were, I mean, they felt that. They're like, oh, wow, their entire team, their opera, how are they doing the work? So that is an experience of how to measure. You said you measure by laughter and energy and such. And yep, I do the same. But I can also gauge based on how people are feeling and doing, right? Those are two different things, but checking and checking in with the leader. So we use that as a real, a real metric. And how many days and weeks are people feeling and doing? You're two or three or four. You may have some personal stuff going on. I love that. So I have a number of friends who are looking for work right now and a few in particular who have left toxic workplaces. And so they are very fearful of entering another toxic workplace as they're looking for their next opportunity. And one of the things, you all know this, I've talked about this before. Every time I get the job offer, it's not over. Now I have the offer. 
D is the CEO. She's offered me chief marketing officer role. I said, okay, D, thanks for the offer. I'm excited. I need to meet these five people on the team. I have not met these other execs. And so D says, okay. And D does it because she's given me the offer and she wants me to join. But here's when you ask the questions, watch for the answers. So if you're asking someone, what's it like to work at X, Y, and Z company? They give very vague responses. Like I joined for the mission. I joined because I love the products. I really like the people here. I hear that a lot. I really like the people here. And I'm not saying that's not valid. I'm saying if that's all you have to say about your workplace, if that's all that individual has to say, red flags. If they're also not excited to be talking to you and not excited about the company, now maybe they've had an off day, but watch for that. Watch for that. And I would say also, I've talked about this before, takes a village to raise a family and takes a community. And I have interviewed many caregivers over the years. And I always, when in references, watch for the things that aren't said. So let me say that again. Watch for the things that people won't say. So D gets a reference for Mita as a caregiver. Mita was amazing with my children. She's so engaged. She's a really good cook. And they were really always safe under her care. I remember this. Doesn't that sound like a really good, I'm bringing this up again because people need to hear it again. What was not said about Mita in that glowing reference? She was reliable and dependable. She showed and I up was, on time. She shows up on time. There you go. Yes, I <laughs> I'm saying for parents who work outside of the home, that is a big deal. You need to show up on time so I could show up on time. That's it. So think about that. That's spotting the red flag. Why is no one talking about the fact that they have had great career advancement? They're supported and cared for by their team. They feel valued. You know, when I talk to somebody, think about my past interviews and people, when I ask for those additional interviews and people are excited about a project they're working on and they light up, then I know, okay, all right, I know. Like you actually enjoy working here because you're excited about the work. Yeah, that's a good metric, what they're not saying. And you know, and so the other side of what they're not saying is if, you clarify what's important to you in the job, then you listen for that. And that's the other side of what you're not saying. So if what's important for you, like in the example that you just gave, what was important for the job or what's important for you in terms of value? So let's just say, let's make it plain, hybrid, work from anywhere, respectful of time off, whatever those things are, when you ask the question that Mita just gave, if they don't say that, then you already know there's probably not a fit here or it's something that you need to inquire with more. But yeah, those were a lot of a lot of vague responses. I'm also going to say how to spot a toxic workplace. I'm going to say, D, in the time we're living in, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Listen up, everyone. If your organization is toxic and that toxicity is seeping through, it's going to be hard to hide it. So leaders need to really be held accountable because through social media, through Glassdoor, I mean, it is everywhere. If a company is toxic, it will come out. And so our advice is during the interview process, what are some of the things you should be looking for? But to be honest, it's going to come out. So fix the problem before it comes out. Fix it and get healthy. Yeah, yeah. Now I will say... 
I think a challenge and also spotting toxic environments for some people who are super savvy. So there's somebody listening right now. They're like, yeah, no, I, I do everything. And I'm going to tell you where there is toxicity that's obvious. And then the toxicity that may not be obvious is if you meet the person and the folks who you're interviewing with are not the people that you're going to be working with. Ooh, yeah. Mm, Say it again. Here's the gap for every super savvy person out here who does everything right. The person who you're interviewing with, the people that you're interviewing with are not the people you're going to be working with. And it almost feels like a bait and switch. You met with the creme de la creme. You met with like Mita and I, they've had you meet with us and we're fabulous. And you're actually, you're seeing women of color at the top. We're in the C-suite. Do you see? We're in the C-suite and you may even know us. And then all of a sudden you get in day one, you've done everything. And maybe you're SLT, not ELT, but you're as your senior leadership and the matrix reporting. And then it's just not there. And so I think that's also something to explore further is to make sure you're talking to the right people So making sure you're talking to the right people and then listen. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing. New currencies come and go. Decades of savings lost in days. All showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Thing for stress. And so if there is a lot of stress in terms of always busy, not enough time to get the work done. So so we've already shared it's asking the people or seeing how the people are feeling, right? Feeling and sensing the energy. And then to me, this point, listening for what you're not hearing or what they're not saying, but also stress, like listening for stress. Do people seem or appear to have like excessive stress, always working, like even asking about work days, work lifestyle balance or things like that. Listening for tenure, is everybody new or average tenure? And then there's also, you know, getting acclimated, No, I'll go back. Before getting acclimated is asking the questions like, what does it take to succeed here? What is the thing that for people who did not work in this environment, what were the things that were the disconnects? So sometimes asking those kinds of questions, role confusion. So I think that's an obvious of where there's not clarity on the role. That's no documented. There's no job descriptions, performance appraisals. We were having this conversation recently where a company not having like competencies, which may not be a big deal for some companies, but if you are a well-established fortune to not have a really tight performance appraisal, competencies, and those kinds of things like documented or some sort of structure, what it does is it leaves room for toxicity. Why? Because it leaves decisions like basic things to the manager or the leader, the individual, and they may not be fair and equitable, which then leads to unhealthy to toxic kinds of culture. I was laughing as you were talking about job confusion, because there's nothing like a red flag happened to me interviewing for a major, major bank where one of the interviewers says to me, I'm not sure why we've created this job, to be honest. 
to me. No way. This is an interview panel. So I've done eight interviews. This is like the seventh one. And I'm like, okay, get your sneakers on. Get your sneakers on. And run. Run. But because sometimes people get really comfortable in an interview and they'll say some things toward the end. That's also, woof. So listen for that. But I wanted to just say one thing. I want to circle back. Because in my career, I'm going to be honesty, I have ignored the red flags. I have ignored the red flags. I see what I want to see. Example, early in my career, company I wanted to work for, big beauty brand, ended up going there. Let me tell you what happened. The day I interview, do you know they have me interview? This is, I can't make this up, with 11 people on one day. That's dysfunctional. That's already dysfunctional. 11 people on one day, and they don't even offer me a glass of water. This is on site. I don't eat lunch. And I'm embarrassed to say this, but you all need to hear the story. I met my boss, was sort of lukewarm on the boss, but I loved everyone else, which is true. I did. And I still took the job. Guess what mom said? Mom mom knows. Mom knows. Mom says, you did 11 interviews and they didn't offer you a glass of water? Don't go there. Don't go there. I still went. I didn't listen to mom. I ignored the red flag because guess what? It was a big brand. It was flashy. And sometimes we fall into those traps in our career. But listen, there were the flags that this was a toxic workplace. And I still, there have been times where I have chased after the big glamorous brand. I needed a job. I was scared I would never work again. So I went from one frying pan to another. And that was on me. But I ignored everything you just said. I ignored it all. I was like, oh, that's okay. I wasn't thirsty anyway. I was okay for 11 11 interviews. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it was worth it that you went in, you knew, you weren't really like blindsided because you kind of knew and you made the decision. So was it worth it maybe? I mean, was it a... I live my life not in regret. I wouldn't be here if I hadn't done that. So I think every decision happened for a reason. And here's the issue. I ignored all the red flags. So when I went in, I was surprised that it was toxic. I wasn't seeing clearly. Do you know what I mean? Like I was like, oh, it's, it's like a major brand. It's amazing. And I can say I work here and da, da, da. And then I'm like, no. Now, yes. Am I thankful for the experience? I learned a lot and it's gotten to me where I am today, but I ignored those signs and that's on me. So that's what I would say to people listening. You play a role in whether you choose to see it or not. Yeah. So I asked the question because I live, sleep, breathe, purpose, passion, intentional living, decisions, quality life, and quality spaces. If the space is not life-giving or additive or quality or safe or out of alignment, I tell folks just say no. And I, you know, I hold that for myself. However, I have a lot of folks in the last few years who will ask me about, should I take this DEI role? Like I have a lot of friends, well, not a lot of friends, but like community network and they'll ask. And usually I can see because I know when we track folks, like that's probably not what you think it's going to be, probably not the best environment if it's the first you know, so you're the first and only, you know, there's signs that it's performative and all of that. However, here's the other part of the advice that I give. I go, look, 
If you really want to up-level your brand or you, you can go in, maybe. You could do it for two, two years. If you think you could tolerate that for two years, go in strategically, but intentionally knowing you've chosen a performative, low-performing, low-vibration, probably low-trust environment. But if it suits you, the trade-off, then then go in, but go in knowing that. In other words, what I'm saying is say no to toxic environments, but for some of you all listening, maybe it's not toxic, but it's unhealthy or dysfunctional. And maybe you choose because you need or want that on your resume and you're playing, a it's a strategic play for you. So I've said that to folks who have already asked me, like I could tell they're already wanting this. So I've given the out. Like, yeah, I'm like, okay, just know when you go in, it's probably not going to be what you want it to be. But if you could stay there two years, you could probably do anything for two years, maybe 18 months. And then you would have had that experience. You would have that on your resume. You would have, you know, building or standing up this, that, or the other. So that's why I asked that question about if you made the decision knowing or sensing that this is probably not the best environment, but it's going to serve me. Hey, there you go. Live coaching. I say that you've said that to me before. (laughs) That's what I say. But the story I told you was very early in my career. And I was just then very attracted to big brands. And I also was raised to think, okay, you need all these big brands on your resume. That's how I was raised in corporate, which is true and not. It's true and not, I believe. So, but yeah, you have said that to me. There are trade-offs. Actually, I have to say this one thing before we go go to tips. I have said to you, a major brand, like they need you on the board. Did I not? I said, it is dysfunctional and it is falling apart. And so actually this was a strategic play. I said, you know what? They are in trouble. And in other instances, it's like run. It's like, nope, Nita, you know what? You'd be great for their board director. It is a major brand, everybody. And you were already being tapped and having conversations. Remember, I was a big proponent of not just job transitions, but board seats. Because you're about, at that time, it was, friend, baby, you. this is you on a board. And you could go in and say, so now that was an environment or a brand that we already knew There's some dysfunction, there's some toxicity, but that would have been a very intentional and appropriate decision. One, also because it was a board seat. It was was you on the board of directors, which is different from day to day, but you could also use that. I'm going to, actually, I'm coaching right now, okay? For somebody who really wants to have a come up of a story and an experience experience that you otherwise can't pay for. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the branding, what 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 are we talking about today? Toxicity. This was another show. We talked about branding. But you could create the narrative and really step into who you want to be by intentionally going into an environment. And if you know they want to change or at least sometimes they say it and they really don't want to change, but you could go and like roll out your strategy, implement your plan and be out. Do you understand? Come on, somebody, be out, go in, implement, run the play. Because technically what you're doing, and Mita, we, we talked about this, they really needed you in some in other roles as a consultant, but they didn't want a consultant. 
They want it full-time embedded. And so sometimes in this toxicity opportunity, because what we're talking about is, you know, how to run or how to spot toxic, but now we're giving free game over here about somebody here is already decided or somebody is already in it. And we're given strategy for what do you do with that? And go back and listen to our episode on branding, because some of what can come out of a toxic environment is how you survive, thrive, turned it around, advised, or won the people. So anyway, look, our time is our time is out. Mita, what say you before we go to tips? I think, D, that is great advice. I think that there's been many moments in my career where I have chosen to enter toxic businesses, environments, teams, because I thought, hey, I can leave this better than I found it. So I think there's that leadership opportunity, but I think then there's the other opportunity we're saying that if you're actively interviewing right now and you are concerned because you were, and as you had said, a toxic, dysfunctional, unhealthy environment, here are the signs, accept them and then make the decision, right? Make the decision, but accept that they're there. Don't go in pretending they're not. That's the difference. That's the difference. All right, friend, we're going to go to tips. Okay, D. here we are again at the end of our conversation that could have gone on for a long time, but we are talking about how to spot a toxic workplace and we are going to head to the tips. So D, over to you for one and two. All right. So I'm going to share here and then I'm going to share on browntabletalkpodcast.com the notes. Number one, be direct and ask the questions. Ask about how would you describe the culture? How would you describe the people? So just being very direct and asking the question and the questions revolve around the people and the culture. Number two is obvious. Listen for what they're not saying. Listen for what they're not saying. Remember, if you are clear on what is important to you, then listen if those requirements are in the response. If they share that information, if they don't share, then that is your signal to run. Mita, over to you for number three. Number three, see the red flags, accept them, and then it's your decision. As Dee said, some of the assignments I've taken in my career where they would have been considered toxic, dysfunctional, unhealthy, have been some of the best game-changing assignments in my life. So it's your decision. And we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for being here, our community. Thank you to the LinkedIn Podcast Network. We so appreciate you all. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with someone who needs to hear it today. Please review and subscribe. And we will see you next time. Side effects of listening to Brown Table Talk may include allies unleashed, getting paid more, and a dose of badassery all the way around. More at www.browntabletalkpodcast.com. Hold up. 